Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Yes, we are live. I'm Evan Jensen, your host, and this is the Kelly and Evan Show live. Of course, in studio today is Hollywood actor and stunt professional Ted Alderman. We also have actor Lene Landry. Lene Landry has been named as a up-and-coming and rising Scream Queen actor, and uh, we'll talk about that title and what it means and so on in a little bit. Um, Ted Ted Alderman has been involved in martial arts for over 28 years, and we're going to be interviewing him about some of his stunts that he's done and so forth. Um, that's a long time to be involved in, dedicated to one specific martial arts and so forth. Uh, Lene is known for um, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, uh, The Deepening, uh, Shriek of the Sasquatch, and a few others, and we'll be talking about that as well. Um, let's welcome, first, of course, Kelly Griffin, our host of the show, and then Ted Alderman and Lene Laundry. Now, also, surprising us in studio is David Alderman that is famous? He's a pretty oh, famous guy. Yeah, don't get a big head on your shoulders now. I'm yeah, not, no, not Alderman he, Omen though. Yeah, no, <laughs> Alderman Omen, David Omen from the Omen, David Omen house. Anyway, let's welcome everybody <laughs> that's here in the studio. Welcome everybody. Hello. Thank you. Hi, everybody. So I guess uh, we'll start off with uh, Lene Landry and uh, see where that goes. We'll get Ted involved. So, Lene, um, uh, somebody asked me a question right off the bat. They asked me how I met you guys and how we, you know, came into contact with each other. I'll let you answer that one, Lene. <laughs> uh, I was directed to... Um... Evan's talk show through uh, the paranormal, um, a paranormal group. Um, it was actually uh, Shelly, I believe Shelly Paris um, out of Mississippi put me in contact with him. And uh, I, I contacted him and checked out his shows and they're really interesting. And uh, the next thing I know, I was, I was asked to, to be a guest and I was like, well, sure, why not? Wonderful guy. And here you are, and thanks. Um, I guess that answers that question pretty well. And then we, we had you on the show, and we liked what you had to say. You were a pretty damn good guest. And we're like, hey, let's get her back. I had taken a layoff for some time on our Beyond you know, beyond Reality, our paranormal talk show, and um, decided to start this new show. And it's going to be kind of a mixture of paranormal versus, you know, interviewing this person and 
So we'll see how we can combine it and make it even more exciting and more fun. Um, so that leads us here today. Now, um, Ted, you a question I had personally for you was, how do you know Renee Landry? How how are you involved with Renee? Have you done projects together, or what brought you two together? Uh, yeah, we've done a few. Uh, actually, we first met when I was directing the uh, the deepening, and uh, I was shooting it in uh, Nashville, and she came up to uh, do a scene in it and everything. And we also worked together on uh, uh, Screech of the Sasquatch. So we we've known each other now for I guess what since like 2005 I guess. So. I I think so. Yeah. <laughs> a while. Yeah. But but time flies when you're having fun. I'm not keeping up with it. Nah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. Time does fly when you're having fun. No doubt about that. Um, you know, speaking of, I was just talking when we were in queue, and I really want to make sure that Ted that I mention this um, because a lot of people don't understand how important it is to do this. When I ask you about how you got, got started, Ted, remember, yeah, you remember, would you tell um, the guest and Evan what, about what you told your mother when you were young? Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, back, you know, back when I was a teenager, you know, in, uh, in the 80s and all, and I was, uh, you know, started in martial arts back then and all, um, I originally had told my mother that I wanted to be the, uh, the guy getting beat up by the stars in the, in the film. <laughs> and look what happened. That's why it's so important to put your dream out there. Speak it. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Great example. Yeah. Cause, um, you know, I grew up watching, you know, Chuck Norris and Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal and, you know, even lesser-known people like uh, Olivier Gruner, uh, Gary Daniels, you know, quite quite a few martial art actors, um, you know, and I, I've actually had the chance a few years ago to go out to California and actually did a, two fight scenes, actually, with uh, uh, Olivier Gruner. So, you know, it was really, it, it was really awesome, you know, to fulfill, you know, the dream of what I told my mother, you know, that I wanted to do because, you know, to to do that with someone that I actually uh, grew up watching in the 80s, and hopefully I'll, you know, do some more scenes with some of the other people I grew up with. Was she really supportive? Because, you know, I remember when I wanted to try out for the Prince movie so bad, (laughs) Apollonia's part, my mom pretty much said, never, and you're not leaving the house until it's over. So (laughs) that, I blame her today. But anyway, was she really yeah, she was very supportive, but my dad wasn't. <laughs> so. Well, both of those yeah. things are important, you know, to put it out there and have people that, one even, that supports your dream. So, you know, oh, yeah. and here you are. Yeah, <laughs> still going. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, I can remember being young. I mean, this takes me back you know, just out of the service, young, good grief. Uh, yeah, I wanted to be an actor, so I tried out for, uh, I was a takeoff of the dating game here in Oregon, and, and uh, 
Uh, I think I hit all those links. It was just, uh, it was awful. It was god awful. The only uh, what? Yeah. You oh, it was awful. Game? Yeah, it was awful. I think I've hit. You might be able to find a link, but I think I've hit most of them. <laughs> I am so going to find that. <laughs> oh no, you don't. <laughs> uh, I think I've hit most of them. It it it, it was awful. The, the ending. The ending season of it was an 80-year-old lady fell for me. Yeah, she was the uh, producer of the show. What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> a rich old lady. And they took that live. They, it was in the contract. I had to do it. They took it, and it went live. So everybody thought I had married this 85, 87-year-old lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, it was wrong. Only That's wrong. you. Only you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was stuck oh. with it, and that's we'll talk a little bit about contracts and things like that in a little mm-hmm. bit too, because that's that's sort of uh, something I wanted to hit bases on as well as you know the work that you've both done, Ted and Lene. And tell me, Lene, a little bit about Scream of the Sasquatch. You know, I'm all, I'm all about you know these Sasquatch movies, and <laughs> excuse me, and uh, so when I saw the title. I'm like, oh, screaming the Sasquatch. So uh, now we have you to talk about that a little bit, if you would. It it was pretty fun. Um, you know, uh, one of the big pluses, you know, I kind of got to connect with a Ted. You know, a lot of girls <laughs> were envious of that, and, and a few a few men too. You know. <laughs> What uh, what what was the most recent thing that uh, that you worked on, Lene or or Ted, that have worked on or are working on? If you don't mind me asking. Stop it, Reggie. Uh, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> right now, I'm between agents, so I'm not really actively um, soliciting any any jobs. Um, I'm probably fixing to start writing a an action script. Uh, based on true events, I'm expecting to start that within the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm I'm going through basically like a 900-page police report to do it. Um, wow. it was a, yeah, it was a pretty big event. It was uh, it made history. And, oh wow! Without saying I, I bet I know what it is. I'm not going to say it though. That, now those are the best. Because everybody is already interested before you get there. Like, if you were interested in this event, you've already got an audience. Yeah, I'm trying to get Right. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, and, and the, you know, it's, it's something from the 70s, and the police reports, oh, they were all handwritten, and they're completely different. Um. You know, law enforcement has come such a long way, uh, along with every everything I else. I don't know. So you are looking at something that, that's not as easy to decipher as some of the things you know you'd read today. So that's that's what's really time consuming. Yeah. The mind goes directly to the issue of whether or not there was some kind of collusion. Again, that's not a that's not a criminal term. Russia, 
Uh, somebody's not coming through on their end. Yeah, I, I, I heard something about collusion. I don't know what that. Yeah, I don't think someone had. Uh, I don't know. Sorry. On mute or something. <laughs> ah, ah. But uh, well, as far as me, um, um, right now, you know, being a stunt performer, you're pretty much self-employed, so you don't necessarily have an agent or anything. You have to hustle for work and, and stuff like that. And I'm in between hustles right now, trying trying to get my next gig. Yeah, but you you actually just did not long ago. You did the neighbor. You were the double yeah. for um, Bill, yeah, Bill Engel. Oh, yeah. The very the very last thing I did was Jack Reacher, uh, the second Jack Reacher movie. Oh, that okay. sounds cool. What, so what is that? I mean, how does that go? So you get you you get a call, I, I assume, and say, and then you say, yeah, you'll do it or whatever. And yeah. what's it like when you get on set? I mean, uh, do you have your yeah. own area that you have to go to? Do you? Get yeah. to be with the main stars, or how does that all work out? Uh, they usually put all the stunt guys, like, separate, you know. Um, I mean, we're still in the same area, but, you know, we have our own trailers usually, and we usually share, like, a trailer with someone or, or something like that. But we're never in there much, you know, except for when we're changing into our costumes or something. But, um, but yeah, we it's, it's pretty laid back. I mean, you just get there, check in, and, you know, you may wait. <laughs> Eight, you may wait out eight hours, you know, somewhere and, and actually go on set and work only 30 minutes and then you're done. <laughs> you know, it depends on the, the gag that, you know, the, the, the stunt that you're doing. Do you ever get nervous or is that because you do some, you know, some risky things? Do you ever get nervous or is it just a part of? Well, I, do, I don't. I, I don't do a lot of the crazy stuff. Um, mainly when I get hired, it's for fight scenes. That's what I specialize in. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I will do like low falls and stuff like that, but I don't do the crazy stuff like, you know, jumping from 10 stories up or anything like that. (laughs) So no stage fright, I guess, takes a back seat to adrenaline. So I guess that's probably a good thing to do. You know, if you're going to have to do something, fight. (laughs) What was your favorite, um, stunt or movie you've worked on? Uh, well, like I said, as far as my favorite, it was probably, um, Assassin X, but, uh, probably the, the, the most fun I had was when I doubled Bill Ingball, uh, in The Neighbor, which is a, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of weird for Bill Ingball to be doing a, you know, a thriller, but it's not a comedy film. He actually plays, you know, like a, like a serial killer in this film. And, uh, so I had to portray him in a fight scene with a hero. Um, and oh wow! It, so it, you know, and it was awesome because the guy I had to fight with is Josh Stewart, which you know he's uh done quite a few uh, good films, and he was in the whole second season. He was the the main antagonist in the second season of Shooter and stuff like that. So he was a real great guy. But when me and him were doing the fight scene, it was awesome because Bill Ingvall was off to the side watching me. And uh, after, you know, one of the takes, he was like, yeah, you make me look, you, you make me look good getting my ass kicked. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that, that, made me, that made me feel real good, you know, for someone to, you know, to say that. <laughs> That's a compliment. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. You honestly think you guys have a harder job doing stunts than everybody else does as acting, even if, if you're the lead all through a show. Because, you know, okay, if we're we have downtime, and you know this as an actor as well, Ted, you know, if you're sitting there, the only thing you have to do is get your energy back up to basically run your mouth or move around. But yeah. to sit um, there, you know, for four hours and not do anything and then all of a sudden have to go fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you got to be able to turn it on and off at any, you know, at any minute. Um, but I can't really say that it's easier than acting because, uh, you know, at least we don't have to memorize lines and all that stuff. You know, we just act with a face. You know, I think it's, I think it's harder to be a uh, lead actor and or actress and, you know, because they have all, you know, more pressure is on them for learning lines and this and that, at least with a stunt person, uh, especially if you're just, you know, like, like I said, either a cop or a military person, which I normally get, you know, picked to do. Um, they're not really seeing your face in, anyway, you know, but the actor, I think it's more pressure on them, actually. So, I, I you know, I really can't say that, you know, doing stunts is easier <laughs> or, you know, less stressful or, or I mean, uh, harder than than, uh, than being an actress or an actor. What do you... Uh. What do you guys do during the time that you are sitting there? Like you said, that's a long time to fret if you're going to fret about it. Do you prepare mentally? Do you get into the character? Or, I mean, is there something that uh, you do? Yeah, I play games on our phone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would sit right in. Well, you hey. know, I, I heard that Michael Jackson. Oh, you're making me laugh. I heard you're Michael Jackson. Okay, I got to tell you this. I heard Michael Jackson threw up before every performance. He had the worst stage fright. And that's what he did. He threw up and he got scared to death. And when he went on stage, it came out as adrenaline and passion. But he was really, really scared. So it always interests me, you know, different personalities and how it comes out and what are you doing to prepare. Clearly he wasn't playing games. Maybe that would have helped. But, you know, he it's it's kind of like martial arts. Um, you know, anytime you go in to do like a tournament or something like that, you're going to be nervous anyway. But, uh, you know, whether you're stunts, an actor, singer, anytime you're getting in front of people, um, you know, that the, the, the adrenaline, you know, being being a little scared and all that actually helps you to loosen up. And, uh, you know, because... I I can't remember who said it, but one person said, you know, anytime you're going up in front of a bunch of people, if you're if you're not nervous, then something's wrong with you. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the nerves kind of, you know, in my opinion, they 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 loosen you up a little bit to to perform better. I wish my daughter would have heard this statement last week. <laughs> she made herself take over. You know that. Um, they should do a presentation on a college and stand up in front of everyone. And I was trying mm-hmm. to find those words, but that's good for anybody to hear. You know, if, if yeah. you you can use adrenaline and fear, it can be a good thing sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, what, what about uh, – I've been on set a few times, and I noticed why I like being there. Uh, 
was because the food's pretty damn good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they bring in catering, if I'm correct, and, and uh, you know, yeah, <clears throat> private caterers, and, uh, yeah, the food's always been good. What What's the food like that on your guys' end when you've been doing stuff? Oh, yeah, I mean, usually it's the same uh, caterers, uh, you know, unless you're, like, you know, like someone like Tom Cruise or someone that probably has their own personal caterer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, usually it's the same caterer and, you know, and, and everything. So, I mean, it's always, it's, it's always usually pretty good. Yeah. I'm not a real big fan of Tom Cruise. I think he's an asshole, but that's besides the point. <laughs> well, has her own list of, you know, things that she must have to perform to. And she's also a brat. So I guess, if you throw a tantrum long enough, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I kind of would like to be on some of these shows Richard gets on because my, my husband, um, who works, you know, full time crew, um, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes he sneaks me some food back when I'm home. Um, but <laughs> you know, he'll come back and they have lobster. <laughs> you know, when they have wraps. Um, when the picture wraps, lobster, things nice. like that. Now, I, I have been there for seafood when I've worked, um, but I haven't had lobster except at um, um, the G.I. Joe wrap party. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, they oh, they that's... pulled out the stops for that one. That's enough to make you calm down. You know, just calm down and you'll have some lobster. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, what, Lena, what have you, what have you done? Is Have you written this year? Is that what you've been doing? Um, I've been actually doing, we're, we're kind of tied up with a, trying to get finished with a production that was out of state. And uh, I've been having to do a lot of background research uh, related to that. Do you, so, you know, it takes so much time and preparation, as we were just talking about, energy to get through a wrap. After yeah. it's over, do you, uh, do you like to watch your show or is it nerve wracking? Because I can't listen <laughs> back to anything I'm uh, on. <laughs> I, well, it doesn't <laughs> bother me, but I'm thinking that's because, um, I was, one of my degrees is in mass communication, and I was doing public speaking as a child uh, when I was like nine, talking to, you know, maybe 200 people. So I was always coming from an educational standpoint, listen, see your errors, um, get better, improve, and so forth. And um, right now I'm still getting over about bronchitis, but, um, yeah, I, I always try to listen um, and, and, and get better at whatever, whatever it is I'm doing. You know, if, if, it's, if it's speaking, you know, I, I get um, very particular about my diction, which, you know, nine times out of ten, what happens with me on that is I over-enunciate and then I just come down from there. But, um, 
acting. It's like, okay, did I blink too much? Did I uh, did I miss something with uh, the way I, I looked or uh, as far as where I turned, where I moved? Did I miss my mark by three or four inches? Or You know, I try to get very picky. But you're always, if, if you're in that situation, you're always basically your, your own worst critic. And that is some really good advice, really good advice. I wouldn't have, and I wouldn't have put those two together, but so you were totally trained on how to succeed with that degree. I have a friend that his daughter, he was telling me he's just having a fit because his daughter is, that's her major. And I said, you can do so many things, so many things, you know, if you, but you got to think it, you got to dream it and you have to want it first, you know? So it sounds like it prepared you for not just, you know, if you wanted to be an anchor, but for many things in life, that's interesting. Well, it is. I, I honestly believe that public speaking and diction should be taught in the schools at a young age because it is easier to correct your accent when you're younger than older and it's easier to overcome fears at a younger age than older as well. And I was I guess in an unusual situation as opposed to most individuals because I grew up basically around adults. I, I didn't, when I started kindergarten, I was never really around children before then. I was around people 14 years and older because I had one sister who was 14 years older than me. So, I, you know, it didn't faze me talking to, to people because I was always around adults. Right you know, now, I just I have to get an agent, and I have to get an agent who will actually get me to the audition. But we are in a situation in Louisiana where, and anybody can do this research and see what is happening. The um, casting directors actually put their employees in the film. They have put each other in the film, and they have even some of the casting directors they've even cast themselves in the film. Wow. And um, you're not supposed to do that, you know. Yeah. That that doesn't really fly in New York and L.A. Yeah. When I, when I lived out in L.A., I uh, actually talked to some some agents and all and casting directors about that, that that goes on, you know, in the South and, um, you know, Louisiana and all. They're, yeah, they're, they frown upon it big time when I was talking to them out there. But But it... But it happens, which is a, a sad thing. Yeah. And and the same about, you know, using extras to do stunts sometimes. They'll get yeah. extras. Um, it's, I'm always nervous if I was even, even if I was, say, visiting Richard on set, anytime I saw an extra with a prop gun, I would always kind of keep up with what they were doing because a lot of times you'd see the extras pointing the guns at each other. And even if, you know, you never know if somebody made a mistake and left a round in a gun. And a lot of people don't realize it, but a blank can kill somebody. So it's the inexperience that is the reason exactly. you, you get nervous. Okay. Yeah, and a lot, a, lot of, a lot of things changed with that because of Brandon Lee. 
when he, you know, died on the set of uh, The Crow, you know. I mean, one of the major mm-hmm. rules, one of the major rules as far as for, um, you know, stunt performers is, is when you have, when you have a prop gun or whether, it, you know, whether it's rubber or whether it's an actual blank firing gun, um, you do not play with it. You do not point it at any other person. You treat it as if it's a live weapon. And yeah, it 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 ticks me off when I see a bunch of extras playing around, pointing at each other, you know, and all that. And you know, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's like what she says. It, it's it's very frustrating and very scary. <laughs> what was that? What was the story for people like me who don't know exactly what happened randomly? Um, I still don't. I still don't know the official word. Um. But um, they were, they had a gun. You know, sometimes they will put a, um, it may not be a real bullet, but sometimes if you see the gun, especially if it's in a revolver and you're seeing it from the front, they always like to have that lead there because that way it looks like there's an actual bullet in there. And from what I've heard, but this is just, you know, rumor of what I heard because I never heard the official story, but um, uh so when when it got to the scene when uh Brandon Lee gets shot uh, a couple times in the chest um uh, in that one scene they didn't swap out the bullet that was in the gun to a blank gun and and you know and supposedly you know some material whether it was the lead or some of the material from the actual blank um actually penetrated and killed him um there was another guy I can't remember oh, that guy Lene may Lene may know, but there's another guy, uh, John John something. John Eric Hexum. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that name. He was gorgeous. Um, <laughs> yeah, he you know he he was in Cover Up and Voyagers back in the uh, 80s, and um, yeah, he he accidentally killed himself because he took a blank gun, stuck it right up to his head, and and fired. Oh my yeah. God! It it wasn't supposed to be loaded, and he was just joking around. Uh, not even filming. Uh, it was between takes. Oh my god! Yeah. Was he oh, a young yeah. guy? I think he went into a coma and they pulled life support, but it was it was something regarding a coma. That is horrible. Well, you know that leads me to the question I was going to ask you both. Um, when you get on. You know, sets have different personalities, I was assumed, because there's different people. But, you know, you hear about things like, um, well, Heath Ledger, who is my favorite actor on the planet, um, and so young. But you hear about people getting so into their character that everything around, if it's a dark character, everything's dark. The energy's dark. The people feel, it feel dark. You know, it's just, and bad things happen. Sometimes is that mm-hmm. true, or is that are these just uh, rumors? I uh, I haven't yeah, seen I've it. Heard <laughs> oh, you've never experienced that? No, I've I've never seen it. I've always been around people who, you know, you're you're acting. Yeah, you know. But then there are like my husband has worked on sets where they were told do not make eye contact with the lead actor or lead actress. Why is that? I I mean, well, I I guess maybe that individual may be 
I think some of it may just be to hype up publicity for them, but maybe some of them, maybe some of them it's nerves. Uh, maybe some of them are in their mind reviewing their lines, and the slightest thing can get them distracted. Uh, okay. I, you know, it it could be that. I mean, you know, you're never supposed to really go talk to the actors because you never know if they're going over something in their head, which that mm. makes sense. Or character, maybe. Right. You hear about people, and that's what I think he did, and I've heard this before. He went to a hotel room and, you know, basically lived there and stayed in that character. He He became that person in this hotel room, you know, and just, constantly stayed in that moment. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I've never physically seen anyone that way before, but I've heard stories of other actors, even like uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, you know, he, he, he stays, from what I heard, he stays in that character from day one of shooting to day zero of shooting. <laughs> wow. But, uh, but yeah, but I, yeah, I've I, never seen it personally. Yeah, I can't relate to that. I mean, I, I really, it, it, um, to me, it's it's you're you're playing, and I mean, I I don't understand why, um, some of them get to a point where they they have to be so in character that they completely forget there's another world around them, and they. They can't be nice. That's that's how I'm going to say it. Because, you know, to me, there's just no reason to be rude. Yeah, and it seems a bit unhealthy. To, well, he it, it never made it out of that hotel room, as a matter of fact. But it just seems kind of unhealthy. You know, there's no, almost a little schizophrenic. I don't know. I thought everybody did that. I thought that was a normal thing. So No. That, yeah. I, I lean toward Lawrence Olivier's idea like Dustin Hoffman in the marathon and this this is an old story that's you know you hear about when you study acting Dustin Hoffman was not showering and he was getting into the character and all that and uh Lawrence Olivier just said why don't you just try acting and and yeah. to me that's how I see it it's, it's just you're playing another character and I don't see how it's that difficult to find that I, I do find something inside of me to where I can relate to the character. And I do believe that every one of us has a bit of, let's say, evil, good, um, moroseness, um, happiness, whatever. I think every emotion is contained somewhere within each of us. And you just have to be able to get that emotion out mm-hmm. to however you relate to your character. That That's how I view it. And a lot of other actors do it that way. Um, some people say it pulls you out of the moment when you try to recall something. But I don't really see how if you can immediately relate to something, um, it pulls you out of the moment. To yeah. me, I don't. So that's some, you know, so, for example, schizophrenia, if you're maybe manic depressive or any kind of mental illness, you can call on that 
and use it, and it can be a real advantage. In right. Because we oh, all, yeah. there are certain things that we all do. I mean, just as human beings, I act one way at the PTA meeting. I'm acting in a way. I'm mm-hmm. pulling out that side of me. It's completely different when I'm at girls' night out, when, you know, it's just, or at church. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that was a bad example. But anyway, we all have to play different roles on a small level. So I guess it's just like digging way, way deeper. Way yeah. deeper. Exactly. That is- yeah, I know, I know um, you know, there's like how we were talking about earlier, how, you know, you were asking me about uh, getting ready for stunts where, you know, you got to have an off, on and off button. There's actors that are that way too. Um, like, I was on set of uh, Focus one time with uh, Will Smith, and ah, cool. which I think he's an amazing uh, actor, you know. And um, it, it's so funny because I'd be watching him, and and he's sitting there just joking away, you know, uh, in between takes. But then as soon as they said, you know, okay, we're ready to shoot, bam, he's right back in the character that he was, which was a serious, you know, serious role. Um, so yeah, I mean, like Lene was saying, I, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't understand these people that have to like get into so bad of, you know, a character and, you know, and and everything, you know, it takes so long to get into character when there's <clears throat> something out there that can just do it on a dime, you know. <laughs> yeah, that is he right. is so so talented, and they both were, but you know, Will's still here and will continue to be. So that's. That's really interesting. That doesn't surprise me at all about him, though, because he is—he's been hysterical and funny since he was a kid, and he looks the same. He's the only person. Yeah. He's like Sylvester Stallone. He's just not aging with the rest of us. Maybe. Yeah. I, I need to put—I uh, need to put uh, Lene and, and Ted in uh, in touch with a friend, a family friend, actually. Uh, Ron McPherson is a. He's doing a lot of extra work, but if there's a big time for extras, he's there. I need to put you in touch with this guy. He's He's got some major deals he's done and is doing, and uh, they call him all the time. And I, I need to – I'm going to give you his link, Lene and, and Ted, so you can uh, contact this guy. Because I don't know why you couldn't be doing a lot of extra work, too. Um, if you get – I mean, he's done – videos with Shakira and all this stuff and, and uh he's making a lot of money as an extra, which I didn't even know that was a a teamster or a union type whatever you call it, a union type uh job. Well in um as far as I know it's in New York and LA are the only two locations that I know of right now where um stack covers extras. But um hmm. like in the south here and all that, um you know they're not even covered. So you know me being union, I I don't yeah. even. You know, the only time I would probably do it. I mean, I used to do it when I wasn't, but but once mm-hmm. I came, and I kind of stopped because, you know, the union extras actually make more um, than than you know non-union extras. But um, but yeah, but as far as in the, like in Louisiana here, I, I I don't do it a whole lot anymore. Especially. Yeah. Yeah, especially with stunts because uh you know, you're trying to get jobs by the 
stunt coordinators and then if they see you're working as an extra you know they're like okay are you stunts or are you an extra so <laughs> oh, i see what you're saying i see what you're saying you know the and this is something i want to talk about the film industry is you know obviously it covers the whole world but yet it's incredibly small why is that well, the circles are very small. Uh, you know how they always talk about the uh, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon? Well, it's pretty much that with anybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One person always knows this person that knows this person. So, you know, the circle is very, very small. Well, yeah, I know, yeah, I know Lene knows somebody that I know, and we won't talk about that person. But, yeah, I, I get <laughs> what you're saying there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. surprising. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ev. I was going to say for your friend and for anyone else listening, I meant to ask this question a little while ago, um, and I got sidetracked. But when you go in and you're trying to get into acting, is confidence huge plus? <laughs> because it seems like most of the actors that really make it, and it may be that they found their confidence after being successful, but... Most of them seem very self-assured and, um, you know, just really, really comfortable. And so I can imagine how terrifying it must be on that first. When I first talked to my first producer, I thought I was going to die before I even got their conversation. I didn't have to do anything except show him. So to get up in front of someone, is, is confidence a big helper? Uh, well, I'll say something real quick, and then uh, Lene can probably chime in more than me. But uh, when you talk about confidence, there's actually one actor that comes to mind, uh, and that's uh, Brad Pitt. Um, he actually moved to L.A., I want to say it was around 86 or something like that. Uh, he started working as an extra. And um, when I was out in L.A., I was with central casting which is one of the major uh extra deals and i heard stories about how he used to like book himself for two different sets i mean he he went out there to get in the film so i mean you know he had that confidence that he could get it and that willpower to go do it um but uh as far as uh i mean confidence is always good but as long as it's not like a cocky arrogant type confidence <laughs> um but uh yeah i wanted to i just say that about uh brad pitt though you know that he 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 first went out there started as an extra even wore chicken suit you know outside of uh poco loco uh, or, or or loco poco whatever it was but you know he went out there with the determination that he was going to become a star and he did wow well he is Delman louise when i first saw him i'm sure with the rest of the women in the audience i was like who is that <laughs> who is this and i want to see him more he was cocky and arrogant in that film you know but yeah he was definitely a. can we see him again <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let but lene can probably uh i mean i you know she does more acting than me so i mean she would definitely have more on on that note well i, I kind of think it does i mean because you're in a situation to where you have a camera focused on you, but 
at some point, it's not just, you know, the camera operator watching you. You have got to sell whatever it is you're trying to portray to maybe a million people or a billion people. You know, if, if you're Brad Pitt, you're selling it to a billion people. And um, I, I definitely think it helps because if, especially you go to auditions and if you come across as being unsure if you can do that role, you've already lost it the minute you walk in the door. And I'm not talking about, you know, getting nervous, you know, maybe flubbing a line. It's if you can keep the character and stay in the character. Even if you screw up, if you can stay in the character, you know. So you that's, mean don't, that's what they're looking for. Yeah. Don't let that self-doubt come through during auditions. See, see that's, <laughs> exactly. that's the problem. See, that's the problem with me. I can't stay in the character because I am the character. Get it? Through <laughs> <laughs> so, that. How's that going to work out? Yeah, that's my problem. That's why I do radio. You can't see my face. You know, that's a good thing. Um, well, that's when you get the script written around your character. Oh, man. You know, that's one thing I have to say about all our radio shows. We don't do any scripts. I've never, ever done anything where we've had to go by a script. It just, well, it kind of sucks. I mean, uh, just because it's a script doesn't mean it's going to make it any better. Sometimes going freelance like we are today, that's, you know, it works well. Um, I've had some people offer me some shows and so forth and uh, paranormal, of course, but the whole thing was, you know, it would be all scripted. And I, you know, I remember paranormal witness, um, I had spoke with them over a period of about a year, and uh, I just couldn't get past the scripting part. I mean, they want to tell a true story, but it's all scripted. I'm like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and so that's that's one thing, too, is you have to stay to that script, and you're kind of locked to that. It was the same thing with that dating game show. It's like... Everything was all scripted, and and uh, I think <clears throat> you know it, it can be difficult when when you're you know when you're being scripted like that. That that's a whole different thing to me. Isn't that so right. annoying? I mean, I can understand in films, um, fictional films, or you know, films made to made to watch, and you want to see the story, but they're doing that. So much now in what is supposed to be reality TV. I don't even know if you know this, Evan, but one time I was uh, I auditioned for a casting agent out of Los Angeles, and they wanted someone asked me if I would audition. I said yes. Well, I did it via Skype. They wanted me to play my guitar, put on my cowboy hat. They wanted my friend to put her parrot on her shoulder. And, and I was like, what do we, you know what, I'm not going out this way. I don't care if it's my only claim to fame. I'm not going out this way. If you're going to do something, we want to see, let's be real about it. You don't have to have a parrot on your shoulder, and I don't have to have my guitar and my cowboy hat. That's not what we're here for. But I think it's gotten so competitive that now they are just completely scripted. 
That's not what we signed up for. We didn't want to see that. Now, now Kelly, what, what what type of show was this really? I mean, you're talking about a cowboy <laughs> house and a parrot. Something, hey, this was they wanted was to, wrong. They wanted to see our true personalities. It was for, um, it was, I believe it was the ID channel. In the show that actually got it, Had I saw like three, and it was over. But mm. Barry was, my best friend was the cameraman at that time, and they wanted him to play his guitar. You know, whatever your personality is, they wanted to see it, and they wanted to incorporate it into the story. They were looking for a new show, and the show that actually got it was that, I can't remember the name of it, but she was a psychic medium. Oh, my. Kind of country girl psychic medium. You know, kind of a, let's see, how would, how would, how would we say? Um, well, psychic, instead of the ones we see on TV, she's kind of more geared towards the trailer parks and in places that people don't go. So she was very, very unique and different. But yeah, I, I wasn't about to do that. That just yeah. No, I like I said, I was kind of young and foolish when I did my little stint there, and I yeah, I learned a lot after that. It was called stay off, stay off the air, or get on the air and stay off the, you know, the TV. That that yeah. Uh, but no, you know, <clears throat> I think acting is a is a whole different world, and I really admire those that do come. And um, not too many years ago, I guess it's been 16 years ago, where I interviewed the I can't remember the singer and uh, the one that's famous for uh, the song Black Velvet. <clears throat> She's oh. What is yeah. her name? That's one of my favorite songs. I can't think of it, but... Yeah. Uh, That's not Michelle Wright, is it? I, I can't remember. You know I what? I remember I had her on the show, and... I'm going to Google uh, it right now while you're talking. Yeah, yeah. It'll come to me, too. It's when I first uh, got on, I was producing a show, um, The Super Unknown, on FM uh, 96.5 in La Pine, Oregon, and... And we had her come on, and that was uh, a fun interview. Um, and uh, she was always mad. And and this is another topic that we can talk about briefly here too. Is she was also all she was you know distraught because her entire life, that's all she was recognized for doing was that black velvet. So she'd get tons of work, you know, our guest appearances, that sort of thing. But <clears throat> she had been known for doing many many other things, and. So that's one question that somebody had asked me, actually, was, you know, if you find that niche, <clears throat> are you worried that it's going to just stay with you? You know what I mean? Because, like, uh, well, uh, for instance, Jackie Chan does, what, uh, stunt-type stuff, cop-type shows, almost always a cop-type, mm-hmm. you know, martial arts-type thing. Uh, so if you find that that nature, you know, and you start doing a lot of work and stuff, is that something that, you know, you'd be looking out for or would that bother you or is that something you ever thought about? Uh, you asking both of us? 
<laughs> yeah, whoever, yeah, whoever wants to talk, that's fine. <laughs> um, well, I know I, uh, me, it doesn't matter because, you know, that's when I acted, usually, I, you know, I started out in horror films and used to be on the, uh, you know, the national circuit going around doing conventions and all. That's how yeah. I first got acting. But, of course, you know, I died, you know, I was pretty much always dying in every single film. Um, but then when I, uh, went stunts, um, I don't really mind it because, uh, I normally get hired for either military or cops and every show needs one, one or both. <laughs> so I don't, I personally don't mind it, but, uh, um, but Lene can, uh, chime in on her side. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't mind it. I mean, I, you know, the, the first role I had was the deepening and, um, the town that that dreaded sundown. I, it would have been nice to finally totally get killed on screen, but I have to <laughs> agree with the way the director cut it. It had it was a beautiful shot, watching the killer against the moon. Um, I would have, as a director, I would have done the exact same thing. But um, yeah, I'd I'd honestly. As a child, I remember watching Christopher Lee and the Hammer shows, and all I wanted to do was get killed in a horror movie. You know, that's what I wanted to do. And I still feel that way. If I never get to do anything else except getting killed in horror films, I'll do it because how often do you get a chance to to be paid to play? And and in all honesty, that's that's the truth of what you're doing. You know, if yeah, people right. would just come right out and admit it, when you make movies, you're having fun playing. It might be hard work, but you went into that. You didn't, you know, you, you don't want to be a teller. And no offense, we need tellers at banks, but if you wanted to have <laughs> went into finance, you would have, you want to just play dress up and and have fun. <laughs> and a lot of actors won't admit that, you know, they want to get all deep and philosophical, but it's not in actors really to have a forty hour a week job. So if you know, if, if some people want to have a wide range of things, they need to get that option at the beginning of the career. You know, uh Nicholas Cage, he's always playing a quirky character. And honestly, I've I've never met Nicholas Cage, I've never spoken with him. But I kind of get the impression he likes playing quirky characters, you know, mm-hmm. and he's good at it. So I think a lot of people who get in those, you know, get in those niches are kind of happy doing it. Yeah. Um, can you all hear yeah. me? Yes, yes, I can. Okay, okay. I, I wasn't sure if I pushed the right button. Well, you know yeah, what? Yeah, you're good. There's that p- very important point is, again, you know, we were talking about this in queue earlier. You knew what you wanted, and you put it out there. You know, you said, "This is what I want to do," and you did it. You know, you gotta, you gotta want to do something. But, you know, I was thinking about this the other day with Kid Rock. He, he's one of the very few people who has topped. Well, there are a few, but it's hard to do. Topped himself over and over and over again. You know, he's grown up um, with us, and he's 
branched out and done different things, and we're still interested. You know, when he started out with being uh, in that, I don't even know what you would call him in the beginning. It wasn't really rapper, but he had a certain image, and he's changed that completely. He's even moved to the countryside. And, you know, I think you have to keep wanting to, if you want to do something else, Keep trying to outdo yourself, no one else. But there are people like comedians who have complained, and some of the best of the best who have said, I was never taken seriously in, um, you know, in a serious role. And I, you know, I always wonder, well, why is that? Because some people can. Some people do right. it. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, honestly, the comedians out of everybody would have the hardest time crossing over. If I, I mean, I'm just thinking, I've never really thought about it, but just off the top of my head, because everybody, when you have like a particular uh, comic you like a lot, and if they go into film, you just keep seeing them that way. The one person I can think of who managed to do it and do it very well, and I remember when he did it, everybody was shocked, was Robin Williams. Oh, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about that. That is so but true. When, when he played the doctor, and I can't remember the name of the film, but when he played the doctor, he did still have some of the comedy intertwined in it to where he could use that. And that's just one of the first roles. And then he also had that one where he played the um, psychotic um, um, camera. Uh, what was he? Worked at a camera shop or film yeah. developer or something? Yeah, what was that called? Um, I don't remember, but yeah. I can't remember either, but, you know, that's so, and little did we know at the time, he was um, calling on something very real to him that nobody really knew he had. He had this that's deep, right. deep pain, and he used yeah. it. But it was mm-hmm. was odd because it was so real, you know, and we we felt his pain. Little did we know, you know, it's that, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, that was a long way from Mork and Mindy. Yeah, (laughs) oh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I remember the first time I watched Paranormal State talking about speaking it. Um, Evan's favorite subject, (laughs) sorry, Ev, but this is true. (laughs) I know, but the first time I saw it, I was like, oh. I said it out loud. I'm going to do that someday. I want, I'm going to do that. And I did, you know, I definitely did. But it's really important, I think, to, but there's a good example of the paranormal, people that on the paranormal shows, that's about all they're ever going to do. (laughs) Because, you know, once you've done that and you're known for that, so... I think that's a lot of talent and sometimes a lot of hidden things like pain. Don't you agree? As with Robin? Uh, Are are you talking about? Yeah. If, for example, you know, we were just talking about how people cannot be taken seriously because they're so funny. You know, and and when you go into a Mm -hmm. movie... You can't even look at them with a straight face because you remember their last movie and they were hysterical. But mm. with Robin, his pain was so real that he, you know, when he called on it, 
it came out, you know, and we understood it. But for someone who really doesn't have that, it's hard, you know, to mm-hmm. act it. It's almost like you have to have it inside if you're going to and use it, if you're going to be really, really, really successful. Oh, yeah. I know, um, I, I know I've had bouts of uh, depression back in the past and everything. And, you know, it's like with Robin Williams or anybody else. Um you 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 have two you have two sides of yourself you have what you have at your house and then you have this other personality when you're in public um you know so a lot of people don't see that 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 dark side um you know and it's and it's such a shame for Robin Williams i mean because uh, you know i completely understand what he went through and everything and um you know i mean for him to keep it bottled up to where no one knew you know, it, it's it's just a it's you know it happens, but it's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. Yeah. That, that kind of reminds me about why when I had Lene scheduled earlier, I uh, postponed that show because uh, a friend of ours had actually uh, committed suicide. He hung himself. He had lost his boy. His boy died. That was only three, and then a month mm-hmm. later, he, yeah, yeah. So that's that kind of reminded me of that, but depression is no joke. There's pretty serious. Uh, final question, probably here as we get ready to end this episode. Um, Lene and I might be wrong. Tell me if I am, but you have a connection to the paranormal as well, do you not? Uh, yes. Yeah. You um, mind? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just yeah. Um, can you elaborate a little bit about that, or? Um, <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I it, told him that uh, you had issues with that. <laughs> yeah, had what? Ted, Ted dropped I, the ball on me. He, he put you on the hot spot, on the hot seat yeah, there. I put you on the hot <laughs> spot. I didn't really have <laughs> any. I know you. But you said I had issues or experiences.
And I was met with, you know, a, some blank stares. Um, years later, I found out that they were could not find paperwork, and the paperwork turned up either they found it or they called somebody, but it was in a safety deposit box. And oh, that's what wow. they had been searching for. Um, and uh, we moved, um, you know, then I'd, I'd have feelings every now and then, you know, as a kid, don't do this, don't do that. Sometimes I'd actually hear a voice, uh, like if I'd be riding my bicycle, don't go down that road. And I'd, I wouldn't go down the road and either a car would be flying down the road or there would be a loose, you know, dog or whatever. Um, and uh, things like that. And then um, I would have, and I still do, I'll have a dream and um, something in the dream really stands out. And um, basically it's precognitive. it's precognitive telling me, you know, giving me some advice about something that comes up in the future, and I, I usually follow whatever was in the dream. And then I lived in a haunted house, and uh, um, we're hoping to – the house burned. We're hoping to rebuild it um, soon. But uh, Ted was actually at that house. He, I don't think he had any – I don't think he had any experiences, but while we were at the house, we even had people that would stop and we'd come out the house and because we'd see them from our window and we'd come out the house and they'd be on the other side saying, I just followed, I thought I followed you or your dad around the house. And the people they would describe as the same ghost that we always saw. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been around it my entire life. It's, it's fascinating. And I've done EVP <laughs> stuff and went to cemeteries and all. It's just quite fun to me. Well, you know, it's I, nothing, it doesn't scare me. I experienced that too at, beginning at four years old and um god people are really beginning to come out and talk about it now i mean even the vatican just i mentioned this i think on the last show the vatican just um made it very clear that they're going to be training people because they are overwhelmed with the amount of possessions today and there's not enough experienced people so they're getting volunteers by the droves to come in and help. They're talking about it. And so I think oh, wow. the more, yeah, that they have happened. It so much. Yeah, it just yeah. happened. But I love it that people are finally talking about it. You know, when I was four years old, my grandpa was a preacher, and I'm trying to explain what happened. Well, that didn't go over well, and you sure don't <laughs> ever talk about it to anybody. <laughs> but... I love that. When you have your dreams or you see, do you actually speak and see them, or is it just an unknown communication and you understand all of it? Like, um, it's, It depends. Um, my sister, and, you know, a psychologist is going to have a completely different spin on this. Um, <laughs> my, my sister... Um, she, she used to be an officer. She, she got hit direct in traffic and she never recovered from that. And, um, we, we really didn't know the extent of her injuries. And, uh, she actually, um, killed herself with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the chest. I, I found her five days after she did it. And um, 
my sister, I know for a fact, my sister would not have wanted, she, she didn't think I was going to find her. She honestly thought that one of the neighbors would have, have called somebody. But the thing is, she was right by a military base. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of hear guns every now and then. Um, so uh, when I was at her apartment, there had been some unusual things happen. Uh, I had dropped some movies of hers that I was packing out, and I came back in. They were picked up and so forth. Well, not long after all this stuff had happened, I had dreams, and uh, she came to me in a dream and told me she was sorry. And she said, I am really sorry. And that's that's exactly what she said. And a psychologist would say, you know, it would be my mind correcting it. But um, well, there was also other things. You know, that's so, that's why I ask, you know, because for people who have had that dream, and you know what it is, you know when it happens, you know exactly how it feels, and you know that you know it's real. Nobody mm-hmm. can say anything, but that's why I ask how it was communicated to you, because and that's one thing a lot of people talk about, and I've had as well. When someone after someone passes, if you're lucky, you you do have a dream where you're allowed to say a few things, and you right. know, mine, no one spoke, but I knew it. You didn't have to speak. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah, that I'm so sorry to hear that. But you know, we know well, life. Thank you. We know life goes on, and we know they're still here. And that's that's the whole reason I wanted. I'm sitting here right now. Right, and and you know, sometimes you know, I'll have dreams where, um, me and her are just sitting down talking, and actually, a while back, um. She had, um, we were talking about something in the dream, and then, and now I can't even remember exactly what it was, and a few days later, I was actually in town, and it seems like we were talking about a certain, (laughs) it was something really mundane. It might have been a certain type of shirt, and I was in town, and I had seen the shirt, and I ended up Mm -hmm. buying it. And then I remember this. I went to get gas, and you know how they have little um, fabric keychains with names on them? Yeah. I had went in to get gas. I grabbed the Coke, and when I turned around, I was looking straight at those fabric keychains, and I saw the name Judy. And I just started laughing because, you know, yeah. I mean, so it's it's just one of those things. And... um, we used to do, it was funny, kind of about the blouse, because when we were living together, um, you know, I mean, she was my sister, we lived together, so uh, we'd be at home and we'd be getting ready to go out, and there were several times uh, I'd come downstairs and we'd be wearing the exact same shirt, but because, you know, <laughs> we had some of the same clothes. Wow. So sometimes we'd just go ahead and leave like that, and other times it's like, I'll go change, you know. Yeah, that's you had that connection before, and so yeah. it sounds like it's still there. I know Evan's trying to wrap it up, but to verify kind of what you just said, and I love talking about things like this because 
you know, you can carry this around forever and go, well, did that really happen? But my first love was killed in a car wreck, as a lot of people know, and um, it, it was devastating, as you know as well, you know, forever. Still is to this day. But I walked into a store one time you know, when they first started putting names on Cokes, and um, everybody's oh, yeah. name was the same size, and right in the middle, sticking out, was his name, Greg. But it was bigger than all the other names. And like you said, I just, to myself, well, what else? I mean, what else would it be? He thought he was bigger than life. (laughs) He really believed he was bigger than life. Why wouldn't his name be the biggest? You know, it's just funny like that where you just shake your head. Oh, gosh. But I love it. I love those little signs. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate that as well. Hey, I just want to say, you know, extend my thanks for coming on the show today, and I've had a good time, uh, good times, and uh, that's what this show is is all about. I appreciate you, Ted and Lene, for sharing a little bit about your lives and what you do, and uh, found it very entertaining and very, you know, thrilling. Uh, glad to came in contact with you too. And uh, from time to time, we'd like to have you back on the show and and, uh, and so forth. So with that said, um, anybody that is listening, and we always get after listens, I call them, uh, which is a good thing. Um, Ted and uh, Lene, you know, if, if you're looking for a project um uh, and you need an actor, and you you need a stunt coordinator, or whatever. Get a hold of uh, Lene Landry, or get a hold of uh, Ted Alderman. <clears throat> and uh, in this business, and and in the paranormal itself, uh, finding people you can trust is very difficult. And and I definitely uh, feel very at ease with both these two uh, people. And uh, with that said. Again, I want to thank you for participating today. Thank you, Kelly, for hosting this show, as as always. Um, Look forward to hearing from you, too, in the future. And, uh, you know, keep in touch. Uh, Uh, I had a a blast. Thank you all so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. I appreciate what you guys did for us for coming on. This is our first show that we started like this and uh, hopefully that we can continue doing many many more with that said i'm evan jensen and this is live with kelly and evan um today's guests were lene landry and also ted alderman with that be well be good in what you do take care and keep reaching for the stars i'm out good night everybody good night everyone good night good night thank you with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.